Hi, I'm Pastor Brad Inman, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope this sermon can guide you along that journey. Visit orangemethodist.org to find out more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. Verses 14 through 19 and 39 through 44. When the hour came, he took his place at the table and the apostles with him. He said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup and after giving thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Then he took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then in verse 39, Jesus came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. When he reached the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not come into the time of trial. Then he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down, and prayed. Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel from heaven appeared to him and gave him strength. In his anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down on the ground. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Today, as we gather for worship on Independence Day, it strikes me that today is the first Sunday for many new pastors or pastors in new churches. Pastors in the North Carolina Conference of the United Methodist Church typically move on the last week of June, and at now, and the first Sunday of July is their first Sunday in their appointment. And what a horrible Sunday that would be uh, to, to be in a new appointment when there's nobody there. Everybody's at the beach. But I am excited that Pastor Corey is beginning her fourth year here at Orange, and I'm beginning my third year. It's weird to even think of it in that context. But we're so thankful for the ministry opportunities that we have before us here at Orange and thankful for this congregation and the way that you are so faithful and trying to help people find their place in God's story. So let us go to God in prayer. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the words that we've already received. We thank you for your holy word as it's been read. A word that reminds us of that last night. That Jesus would share with his closest friends. And the way he was willing to surrender all for you. So Lord, in this time, may we surrender. May we surrender ourselves from any other thoughts or distractions. May we find ourselves fully present here, present with you, prepared to receive a word from you today. By the power of your Holy Spirit, would you transform the words that proceed from my mouth and as they fall upon our ears and penetrate our hearts, may they be changed into the word of God that we need to hear today as individuals and collectively as one body. Lord, we pray this in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people said, 
Amen. I may be dating myself by saying this, but when I was a young person, I enjoyed reading newspapers. Do you know what those things are? I see a few people, I see one person affirming that they knew what the newspaper was. As a kid, it was funny. I, I loved to read the newspaper. I would get the newspaper and I would open it up. I'd read through the sports pages, but especially I would turn to my favorite part of the newspaper, the comics. I know that's hard for some of you to believe that I would find the, the great joy of reading the comics. That's about the level of my intellect, I think. But I loved reading the comics and going through, seeing some of my favorites, such as Charlie Brown and the Gang of Peanuts. I loved, they were one of my favorites. Then I'd always have to see what Garfield was up to and how much lasagna he was going to eat or how he was going to bother John. I loved Beetle Bailey and to see the interactions between Beetle Bailey and Sarge. I mean, I loved reading the comics, but I think as I got a little bit older, the one that I appreciated the most was Kudzu. Do any of you remember Kudzu? It's no longer in publication now, but Kudzu was one of my favorites because it had somebody, and maybe this was a little foreshadowing to my future. It had a character in there named the Reverend Will B. Dunn, D-U-N-N. He was a southern deep-fried preacher, if there ever has been one. And he always had a unique sense of humor. I remember seeing one of them where one of the frames, he's reading the celebrity gossip page of a newspaper, that antique relic. And as he's reading it, he's reading about another celebrity uh, marriage that's breaking up. And his, his tagline at the end is, I have underwear that's older than some of these celebrity marriages. You know, he would always have a unique sense of humor on the world of the day, but also a unique perspective on the church. I found it interesting the way sometimes we'd have a window into Reverend Willby Dunn's character because sometimes we'd get to see some of his prayers as they were prayed. One of those prayers, I always remember, he was considering a run for public office. He was thinking about running for the presidency. And so it showed Reverend Wilby Dunn down on his knees, praying, looking up to the heavens. And he said, Lord, send me a sign if I should run for president. In the middle screen, the little box, it was a giant sign drops down from the sky with the word no. And exclamation points, flashing lights. You could see it was crazy right there in front of him. And in the third box, he said, how about another sign? That's the way he would pray a lot of times because while his name was Reverend Will Be Done, he wanted my will to be done. You know, it's funny because it's true. Sometimes the things that we do find humor is because it strikes so close to home. And I know maybe for me, that's why I enjoyed Reverend Will Be Done. Because I find myself so many times trying to convince God that my will is the right thing. My will be done instead of thy will to be done. Now in Isaiah 55, one of my favorite verses, it does remind us that my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways. For the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. God is reminding us that his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And in that, his will is not our will so many times. 
And so it is difficult when we pray. This line in the prayer, as we're taking little parts of the prayer and breaking it up, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So as we're working our way through, we're trying to figure out what each one of these things means to us so that when we pray them, it's not just something that rolls off the tongue, something that we don't think about, but it might actually be something that maybe even convicts our hearts, that moves us a certain way when we pray that prayer. Just last Sunday, Pastor Corey taught us that when we pray, thy kingdom come. We should not just be kingdom prayers, but we should be kingdom partners, working, participating in the building up of God's kingdom, even if it is just for one person. And so, as I've said, today we are picking up with, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, I always find it's interesting to look at the different paraphrases or different translations. I love to read the different ways people have interpreted or paraphrased these passages. And, and the message by Eugene Peterson, he takes this part of the prayer and he says, Do your best as above as below. <laughs> so, for us, asking God to do his best as above and below. The Common English Bible, I like the way that the Common English Bible translates it. Come and set up your kingdom so that everyone on earth will obey you just as you were obeyed in heaven. I like the way that the Common English Bible uh, focusing, focuses on that obedience part of it. That that's really at the core of what we're praying when we pray, thy will be done. We're praying that here on earth, and especially in us, that we will abide by God's will. The thing is, that here on earth, we don't really always understand what God's will is. And when things happen in our lives and things happen in the world around us that we don't understand, it's so easy for people to just attribute it to, well, that must have been God's will. That must have been God's plan. You remember just a few years ago when Hurricane Katrina devastated so much of our country. And there was a well-known television evangelist that got on TV and said that Hurricane Katrina and the devastation, particularly in New Orleans, was the result of sinful living. That God did this. He brought about this punishment upon those people for sinful living. He was trying to interpret this disaster as if it was a part of God's will. That could not have been part of God's plan. The devastation, the loss, and when we experience such loss, it's hard for us to try to reconcile something as being a part of God's will. Years ago, when I was serving as an associate pastor in another community, a tragedy took place at the middle school. One morning, a grandmother was dropping her child off at the middle school, and his students were gathered out in front of the school as the, parent, the grandmother was getting ready to pull away, instead of hitting the, the gas, uh, the brake, she hit the gas. And when the car began moving backwards as she had put it in reverse, she panicked and pressed even harder. The car popped the curve and went into many of the, and hit many of the children that were standing out in front of that school. I received a call from one of the teachers who said, Adam, would you please come? That someone had begun to say that this was a part of God's plan. 
You know, when we don't understand things, it's easy for us to try to attribute it and say, surely this must be a part of God's plan. I can't begin to think, I can't think that God would have planned such a horrible thing to have happened for so many children to have witnessed. I can't think that my God, who loves us so dearly, would execute such a plan to just to have his will being done. I don't think that's God's ways. I know his ways are not my ways. I know his thoughts are not my thoughts. But I can't think that that's what God's will is. And when we pray, thy will be done, I can't think that God is just saying that we just throw everything up and say, oh well, it's just a part of God's plan. No, I think God's asking, he's wanting us to look for something more. I don't think that's what God's will is, but what is God's will? When we're praying that thy will would be done, what is it that we're praying for? And that's where we turn to today's scripture. Jesus knows that the end has come. The hour has come, as, the past, as Pastor Brad read. And the hour had come near. Jesus had one last thing he wanted to do. He wanted to break bread with his friends. That relationship that he had built with these close followers over these few years. He wanted to share in the Passover. He wanted to spend that time with one another because he knew what was to come. Jesus wanted them to remember him always. How could they forget? But as they're sharing in that meal, Jesus took the bread. He gave thanks for it. He broke it and he gave it to them and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. And then... As the supper was over, Jesus took the cup. He gave thanks for it. He gave it to his disciples. He said, drink of this, all of you. Do this in remembrance of me. He wanted that time with his closest friends, his last meal. You know, I think that if I knew that I had one more time, one more meal, I think about the loved ones that I would want to share that time with. Jesus wanted that relationship. Jesus wanted that connection. He wanted to be remembered. He wanted them every time they took the bread, every time they ate of the bread or drank of the cup, that they would remember him. But the scripture then tells us, as it continues on after that meal, Jesus makes his way. I love the way that, that it is cited here in Luke, that as was his custom, he made his way to the Mount of Olives. And there we have the scene where Jesus prays in the Garden of Gethsemane. A few years ago, Jennifer and I had the opportunity to go and to see the Mount of Olives, to see the Garden of Gethsemane, to see olive trees that are still alive, that would have been alive in the day that Jesus himself was there. And that night when he prayed these prayers, that those olive trees would have heard those prayers, would have been present. And there's a chapel built over this large rock. And you know how it's portrayed even in our stained glass window over in the sanctuary. Jesus laying upon the rock, looking up and praying. And in Jesus' prayer, I find it fascinating. Jesus prays, Father, let this cup pass from me. He asked God, 
This is his request. Let this cup, let the suffering that is about to take place, let it pass from me. If you can figure out any other way, let it be another way. His prayer. Think about that. Sometimes our prayers don't get answered the way that we want. Jesus himself prayed, Father, let this cup pass from me. That was his wish. That was Jesus' wish, his desire. But Jesus knew that it wasn't about his wish. It wasn't about his desire. And so Jesus continued that prayer. But Lord, not my will, but your will be done. It's so fascinating to think that the very words that he taught his disciples to pray early in his ministry, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Those same words, thy will be done, he utters at the end when he prays, Lord, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but thy will be done. He knew, because God was willing to do whatever it took for the relationship. God was so willing to do whatever it took. His wish, God's will, his desire, his relationship with his creation. You see that from the very beginning of Genesis as he walks through the garden with Adam and Eve. You see it when he doesn't completely destroy them all in the moment that they defy him. But he gives them that opportunity. You see it all throughout when he delivers through Moses. You see it all throughout when he continues to send prophets proclaiming a call back. Repent, turn back to me. For God continuously seeks that relationship with his people. You see it lived out when he sends his one and only son, Jesus Christ, who came for the least, the last, and the lost. And to build that relationship with everybody, even Zacchaeus, even Mary Magdalene, came for the, the leper, for the blind, for the paralyzed. He came for all to be in relationship. You know, it's so easy for us to not want to be in relationship with other people, but that's what Jesus came to live for. And that's what he came willing to die for, for that relationship. When we pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we're praying that we would be in that relationship with God. Just as in the heaven, we will be joining in the heavenly chorus, singing with all the saints. Even Brad will be singing. Sorry, Brad. We'll join in that heavenly chorus. And if we're praying that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven, that means we are willing to be in that relationship with God. And that we are going to live out that life, like Pastor Corey said last week, partnering and building the kingdom building that relationship so that everyone on the face of this earth knows that they are loved and that God was willing to do anything, even the ultimate price of offering his son to be in relationship with his people. Folks, there are times that we think about God in the context that God looks upon us and says, oh, you sinful beings. And we want to say about God as this God of punishment. But I believe in a God of love. Yes, he sees us and identifies the ways that we have sinned and fallen apart and missed the mark. But he sees it only in the sense of wanting to bring us back home. 
that we would be the prodigals that come back home and He is always willing to open His arms and welcome us. And we pray, Thy will be done. I hope it's real for you. I hope it's real that you understand the love that God has for you and that we can trust His will in everything. And that He is so faithful to us always from the beginning to the end as we see through the Scriptures. He is faithful even when we fall short and miss the mark. Even when our love fails, His love remains steadfast. Today, I hope you know how much you are loved. And I hope you know that God's will is that we would be in that relationship with Him always and forever. Let us pray. God of grace and God of mercy, we thank you for that incredible love that you have for us. That love that is made real for us when we recognize the relationship you have called us into. Relationship of your faithfulness, a relationship of your provisions, a relationship of your guiding us in all the areas of our lives. So today, Lord, wherever we may be in that point of relationship with you, we pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, we may hear you beckon us back. Beckoning us, beckoning, beckoning us back so that your will might be fulfilled. That that relationship would be made ever stronger. All because of the incredible love, grace, and mercy that we have received from you. Lord, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray this in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people said, Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.